The opinions expressed in the following video are not in their entirety endorsed by this podcast. They are instead the focus of our discussion today. This is your content warning. Ooh, thank you for bringing this up because I've been wanting to talk about this for a while now. Christians, question for the Christians, number three, here we go. If your God, all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipotent God made all of us, By his own hand, he created us exactly the way that we are. That's what you believe, right? If your God made me into the atheist that I am, and he gave me the free will to believe or to disbelieve, when you pray for me, asking God to save me, how is that not a contradiction of your own God's will to have created me exactly the way that I am? How would he answer your prayer for me without directly voiding my free will, which is to remain religion free? How would he do that? How is your prayer not a complete waste of your and his time? Because he can't answer your prayer. He can't void my free will that he's given me. How is he going to save me? And why are you so arrogant to believe that you know better than your own God? Oh, man, it is good to be back, Joshua. Um, How was your Thanksgiving, bud? Long. We had three in a row. Yeah. I had four. Oh step man! Up, step up to my level. So. Yeah, I don't want to. When we got to when we got to Saturday night, let's say no Sunday night, we were like, "It's time for Mexican because we're tired of turkey." I, was like, I, t- I told y'all uh, Saturday. We so our fourth Thanksgiving was Saturday night, and we actually had a lasagna. So um, it was it was all pretty interesting. Do y'all um, do anything besides turkey? Ham, like roast. Well, yeah, but like you know, some people they'll do like steak or something like that for Thanksgiving instead of the traditional turkey and ham. No, I think Brady had steak. Brady, you said your family had steak for Thanksgiving. So, yeah, we had kind of, yeah. So, like, my mother-in-law, she always takes care of us really well. I love uh, Zoe's family. And uh, so, like, the we had Thanksgiving on Sunday for lunch. So, Saturday night, she grills us, like, the biggest steaks that you've ever seen. And then gets up super early Sunday morning and preps all of the Thanksgiving food. Oh, <laughs> so we basically just had one continuous twenty-four hour, wow. twenty-four hour Thanksgiving feast. Was I was about, I was about none to say, of us are going to preach on gluttony on Sunday. It was, it was great. No, not a one. No, no uh, only only the only the vegan preachers can do that uh, after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Oh, guys, welcome back to your content warning, another Bible Meets Culture podcast. We break down modern theology versus biblical content, and I am excited, Joshua, about the one that we've got today because... It's a doozy. I, it's a doozy, but I love I love the, the topic of prayer. Anything surrounding prayer to me is, is just awesome. Um, I've been on the record several times as having said that, but it is just really fun. Um, and for the first time... On this podcast, believe it or not, we have somebody who identifies as a witch, which I thought was really, really interesting. Uh, for those we're not of you, on the podcast, but that we're dealing with true. in the podcast. That's you true. Gotta like, you got to clarify. Don't talk about Brady that way. <laughs> That's true. Brady, Brady's not a witch that I know of. Uh, that you know of. If, if he is, he's hidden it very well uh, over the years. 
Uh, as always, I'm Nathan. This is Joshua, the, the man we've been referring to. Brady uh, Wilkes is the youth minister, youth and family minister. Is that your official title? Or do I, you, I guess do you it's, you know, the wear the hat. It's minister? everything. Where, okay, yeah. I got you. Uh, he's at the Broad Street Church of Christ in Lexington, Tennessee. And like we said, he's not a witch that we know of. Um, again, hiding it very well, if you are, sir. Uh, we tried to get him to look actually kind of like Maleficent uh, if he had, you know, steered his head to the, there you go. You steer your head just enough, <laughs> kind of look like a witch. So. <laughs> uh, but no, the, the video, uh, the video that we're talking about today comes from a woman named, uh, who calls herself Jordan the Grey Witch. Um, you can go look her up, see her profile. Uh, she is a witch slash atheist. Uh, and so this is a really interesting kind of conversation that she starts, and she's responding to a comment. For those of you that are just listening uh, and can't hear the actual video, somebody comments this on her post. And if you go through and you look at some of her videos, a lot of these type posts seem to come up on her content. And, and that, I mean, you would expect that, right? Like if you're creating atheist content, you would expect people who agree with you to kind of comment Um and then it's almost like like there's almost no neutral ground. I don't know if you've ever kind of paid attention to that Joshua and comments of stuff, whether it's a Christian posting or an atheist posting. It seems to be like polar opposites that comment. Like there's no there's never anybody sitting in the middle uh, yeah. of these particular things. But she makes a really interesting statement, and and the gist of it for those of you that that have just watched or listened to the video, the gist of it is this: is that praying to God is a contradiction um, and a violation of people's free will. Uh, so Joshua, give me your first initial thoughts on that, because that's a, that's a pretty bold step. Almost as much as dating is practicing divorce, uh, yeah. which is what we covered, you know, a couple, a couple of podcasts ago. If you want to go listen to that one, it's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, praying is a contradiction, a violation of free will. Yeah. So I want to be fair to this particular person, because yeah. if you don't know theology, if you don't have a background in theology, that's going to make no sense at all when you hear something like that uh, mm -hmm. from a Christian perspective. So I want to be fair to, to her and uh, I want her to know if she ever finds this podcast, we are praying for, and uh, we're doing that because we don't think it's a contradiction. Mm -hmm. So one thing that she points out is that if you believe that God made me as I am, right. Then in my free will, I can't, well, that's a, that is a contradiction. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't believe, and I understand why she would say this, and it usually comes from a Calvinistic doctrine, um, but I don't believe that God made you an atheist, right. and just as much as I don't believe that God made me a Christian. Right. I believe that when we're born into this world, we have a clean slate that free will allows us to, to choose, make certain decisions and things like that. And, um, you know, maybe the Lord will bring certain things along our way as we live life, but... I'm, I think that's the first thing we have to parse out yeah. is that, you know, how is it that God can make you a certain way and then you try to pray against that? Yeah. And, and that's that's kind of the, the, the one of the first big things that I, I had a problem with the, the video. The whole video itself is, is kind of built around this straw man argument. Um, and, mm -hmm. and for those of you that aren't familiar with what I say when I say that is, is it's misrepresenting a view. Um, in order to specifically defend it the way that you want to uh, defend it or attack it or, or whatever terminology you want to use there. And and the misrepresentation of this view, she says that, is that you believe that God made me 100% exactly the way that I am. She's like, that's what you believe, right? 
well, wrong. That's that's not exactly the Christian belief. Um, and I think a lot of Christians would tell her that God made man perfect. Uh, and then in Christian theology, we have what we refer to as the fall, right? Which is all the way back in the book of Genesis where sin entered the world. And then we have continued to mess everything up since then. Um, so to say that God made me exactly the way that I am is a, a misrepresentation of the Christian view. And again, giving her all the credit in the world, right? Somebody who doesn't grow up in that kind of background, or maybe she did, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but if she doesn't know that, she's not necessarily misrepresenting the argument as much as she's misunderstanding what the Christian view of, of humanity uh, is as a whole. Um, now, again, again, we're not assuming that she's got any malicious intent behind this whatsoever, right? So we're not assuming that she knows that Christians believe that and she's purposely misrepresenting the facts in order to make her argument sound better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is kind of a straw man argument, right? Is this is what you believe. This is why I'm going. Well, so if that's the scenario, and we could kind of acknowledge that. Again, not we don't think that it is, right? But if that is the scenario, right, if God does make you exactly the way that you are and you grow into an atheist or an agno- or whatever the case may be, then maybe there's an argument to be had, right? Um, but again, that's a misrepresentation of, of the Christian belief on human- humanity and, and how, how you come to be what you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's also a misunderstanding of prayer, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about um, later on in the podcast. But, you know, it's uh, we just finished a study of prayer uh, here, a 13 week study, and, and it was praying the Psalms. And, uh, you know, when you read through study, when you read through the Psalms, man, it's it's different than than how we normally pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, we We normally pray based off of the theology of John Calvin, for example, you know, God is sovereign and I believe God is sovereign, but God is so sovereign that if it's not in his will, it's not going to change. Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, particularly, you see things that God might have wanted to do, but changes right. based on human intervention. Yeah. And well, so then what do you say? Then there's like, not to get too far off track, but then what happens when you start getting into some of those, like, uh, what do you refer to them as the, the imprecatory? Right. Right. Like, I mean, some of the really nasty prayers uh, that that show the humanity of David. But anyway, again, not to not to get really far off track there. um, But, you know, was like we're about to start that study. So send me your notes. Um, uh, But anyway, Brady, what do you think, man? Uh, Like I said, this is not not to take all the answers and then ask you. Yeah, no, you're good. Y'all got more (laughs) than me. Say my name. Um, and so like, that's like one of the things that jumped off the, I don't know, jumped off the screen to me, or at least like how, how she was talking that he created us exactly the way that we are. Right. That's a very uh, faulty, someone that's non theologically based, uh, kind of that same motif you see from the world or non Christians or just non spiritual, non religious, even right. Mm-hmm. To that extent, um, that, we're created exactly the way that we are. You're in, you're insinuating this kind of uh, unchangeable nature of people. And we right. see that through a lot of different things, right? On somebody addicted to alcohol or drugs or on somebody that uh, is attracted to someone of the opposite sex or, and that acts on those actions. Um, people that want to leave their marriage for somebody else because they love somebody else. It's the way that I am and I cannot change that. That That's pervasive in a whole lot of different stuff. And so we understand and get that. But then you follow that statement up 
that insinuating statement, I think it's a reasonable inference to say, okay, she's non-spiritual. She says this. That's more than likely a mentality there. That's a good inference Mm -hmm. to make. And she follows that up with, you can believe or disbelieve. You can choose to do one or the other. Well, that's kind of like you've already said. It's a it's yeah. a defeating your own statement to begin with. Yeah. From from both a theological and a and a non theological standpoint of of reasoning, right? Yeah. You're you're defeating your own statement, and that's that's what jumped off the page immediately to me. Just like you guys said and pointed out. Uh, was that you're you're contradicting yourself a little bit when you mm-hmm. open kind of that video uh, with that that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, it's, here here's something else, and y'all y'all correct me if if you disagree with this, and that's perfectly fine. Have you ever noticed that we only tend to apply this sort of logic to like quote unquote big things, like when it comes to prayer or when it comes to uh, our sexual attraction? Like nobody ever uses um, like so things that you didn't like. For a long period in your life and then later in life you decided you did like those things like peppers or onions or uh you know a, a type of chocolate or uh, a type of soda um nobody ever says like i don't like peppers because that's the way that god made me right like you grow in, like I, correct me if i'm wrong i've never heard you're anybody right. say I never that. thought about that way but I, you're I mean, right yeah but but it's the same logic right is that god made me exactly the way that i am so if i don't like onions it means that god made me to where i don't like onions so at what point does something or nothing intervene to where because again i grew up i didn't like peppers and onions and now i will put them on literally anything um i mean just they're, they're fantastic uh, i grew up not liking some of the things that i do like now um and it i don't think it's because that god made me this way i think i just grew and i tried things enough times like i don't know i so i give you a perfect example i grew up i hated pecan pie i hated it i I absolutely hated pecan pie i wouldn't touch this stuff and then i was like 24 or 25 years old uh and i looked at a pecan pie and i was like i like pecans and i like sugar why don't i like this again right and I really like pecan pie. It's actually pretty good. But it wasn't something like God didn't make me or strike me with lightning to make me one way and now another. Right. It's just something that we grow in and out of when it comes to our likes and dislikes. Now, there are things doing me wrong, uh, you know, because we, we've talked about this on a podcast way, way back when we first started this. Um, I don't ever remember actively making a choice to be attracted to the things that I am attracted to when it comes to my wife. Right. Um, but again, I don't I don't remember making a choice to like or not. It's just things, uh, things that we're exposed to, things that we uh, immerse ourselves in can affect the things that we are or aren't. Uh, and so, again, I just correct me if I'm wrong, but I just I find that funny that we only want to use this kind of logic when it comes to like, again, our sexual attraction or prayer or our theology or what, you know, our our basis in religion, period. But we won't apply this broad spectrum uh, to, to anything else. I think you're you're right in what you're arguing, but I also think that there is a big difference between our human nature as such, which mm-hmm. I would argue God made you male, therefore mm-hmm. you are male, and you cannot right. become female. That's a little bit different than you know God made you not like onions, and then you right. grew up and liked onions. 
you know, because we're dealing with matters of human nature versus matters of right. reference and, and so forth. I think that leads us, though, to a, a really good question that we need to understand before we move on, which is what does it mean when we say God made you? Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that's what she's hung up on, because Christians say, well, God made you, you know, God, you're made in the image of God. Well, if you're made in the image of God, but you're an atheist or insert whatever ca- category here, what does that mean? You know, can you right. still be made in the image of God and then be all these things? Like, can you be made in the image of God and be an atheist? Like, well, yeah, because the image of God surpasses that. Um, now, that's a whole can of worms about being made in the image of God. And uh, that's why I'm asking the question. I'm going to let Brady answer it. I know all the answers to that one, right? Yeah. Uh, let me phone Justin really quick, and he can tell you that he has no idea he's what image of God means, right? Uh, yeah, he's he's went on that one a lot. But no, but I agree, though. Like, that's the massive hang-up on uh, both. I think it's a bigger hang-up for both Christians and non-Christians. Here's what I mean by mm-hmm. that. I think it's a massive hang-up for non-Christians, first and foremost, because of exact situations like we're talking about, is how to wrestle with, okay, being made from God, like God, and also not wanting Him. That doesn't make any sense. But then you have this other side of the aisle, (laughs) Christians who are made in the image of God, and shocker, get ready, I'm not wanting Him. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there's a, a big balance is, but the difference between those two categories is the Christian has some kind of, I guess, guilt or conscience that they listen to more often than maybe the non-Christian does. And so whereas the non-Christian might feel more angry or calling out or defensive of being made from God, mm-hmm. I think the Christian feels more of a, a guilt or I should do something different or maybe a more self-introspective type idea from that. Does that make sense? I think they impact both Christians and non-Christians, this idea of being made from God and in His image. I think it impacts both of them, and in really similar ways, there are just maybe different outcomes some of the time between both of them. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's there's something to that, and I also think that there is a innate desire within people to ha- to know where they came from, uh, why why they are the way they are, why they feel certain ways, you know, um, I, I think for Christians, obviously, we look to God as our source, as our authority, uh, yeah. as our provider. But but I w- I'm also curious uh, about this particular person because I'm not convinced that atheist is a right title for her. If she's claiming to be a witch, and mm-hmm. believe it or not, I may tell this story later if we have time, but I actually have, Nathan, you were joking about it earlier, but I actually do have experience talking with someone who yeah. identified as a, a witch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that came to <clears throat> Salem Creek uh, a few times, and we That's had ironic. a conversation. It was, it was wild, man, yeah. um, at least from my perspective. But this person told me, because I, I asked, I was like, you know, why does that seem attractive to you? Right. The person told me that in that belief system, you're only looking out for yourself mm-hmm. to whoever else is hurt. You're only looking out for yourself. 
which I thought was ironic because this person was at the time living in his truck in our parking lot. Mm-hmm. So looking out for yourself didn't really bode too well, did it? Uh, so what is it? Is it that, is it that you believe in nothing? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think so. Not for this person. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's what's actually kind of really interesting. You can go back and, and like I said, I think I mentioned this beforehand. She actually has a video out uh, that she titled something like atheism is the default. Um, but I think what it kind of boils down to is, and this is where I think our society uh, has, has trended, especially like in the last decade is, is everybody finds answers and we just choose to live based on which ones we find the most satisfactory to ourselves. Mm. Um, and, and if for, if for, for Jordan, uh, if, if that means that, uh, you know, identifying as a witch or, or, you know, practicing witchcraft or being an atheist, if those were the most satisfying answers to her, that's how she's going to, she's going to play off her personality based on, again, a lot of it is sometimes, uh, the, the rationality uh, you know, not being able to wrap our minds around things. I'm actually working on a lesson uh, now where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to mention this idea that for, for whatever reason, there's no bend uh, in people anymore. Uh, everything has to be black and white. Uh, and when life gets complicated and things aren't black and white, when there is no bend there, naturally what happens is enough pressure gets put on and it breaks, right? If it doesn't bend, it's it's going to just snap. Uh, and I'm not saying that, that, that Jordan has had any like crazy mental lapse or whatever. But I think what this is, is, uh, you know, kind of Brady, what you were talking about, everybody kind of gravitates towards the answers that they find the most satisfactory because we have devalued what the truth is. Uh, Everybody's allowed to believe whatever they want. Uh, And because of that, I think we find ourselves in a situation where whatever answers I find or, or whatever answers that I deem to be the most satisfactory is just how I get to live my life. And, and nobody ever gets to say anything about that, uh, which kind of brings into this next thing, right? Because as Christians, when we see people choosing non-truth as the identity of, of what their life is, our natural tendency, our inclination, our desire uh, is to pray for them. And so this is that second claim, right? On top of the, the false claim that we're made exactly as we are, the second claim that she makes is that praying violates free will. Um, that praying is is a contradiction of the free will that God has because if God made me a certain way and you pray to change me, uh, doesn't that violate my free will? Would God change me based on your prayer? Uh, and so on and so forth. And so you mentioned it, I think, Joshua, at the kind of the beginning. Not only do I think do I think that she has a, a misrepresentation of, of what being created is, but I think she has a misrepresentation of what prayer is as well. So Absolutely. What, what is prayer? What exactly are we doing when we're praying, specifically when we're praying for the lives of others? Well, in essence, we are just making an appeal to God to act in a certain way that results change, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so if that's the definition that we choose to go with, how does that violate free will? Um, yeah. yeah, prayer, you know, God exists outside of time, space, and matter. Uh, in, in Genesis 1-1, you see God create time, space, and matter. And if he's going to create it, he has to exist outside of it, right? But mm-hmm. it doesn't take very long for God to have the ability, in Scripture at least, to enter into and impact time, space, and matter. When we pray, that's what we're asking God to do. 
We're asking God to enter into our time, our lives, our space, the material things in our lives, usually could be otherwise, could be spiritual mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I was mentioning this earlier. I've, I found the book, so I want to show it on here. and I'll say it for our listeners. It's called Improving uh, Your Prayer Life Through a Study of the Psalter by Randall Bailey. Uh, Randall's a professor at Faulkner and a, a great man, Old Testament scholar. But um, this is what I taught out of for our course on prayer here at Salem Creek. I only bring that up to say um, this changed my view of prayer very rapidly and, and very distinctly because we pray, I think, sometimes as Christians without the expectation that we can change God's mind or like, well, if God has willed it, that means that it's it's done. And I, I now don't believe that. I, I think that there is, you know, some a way to balance praying for change and praying for God to act while also aligning with Jesus, what Jesus said, that if you pray according to his will, that it will be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think certain theologians in the past have gone far too far with prayer uh, in, in saying, you know, it, well, you you pray, but if it's not God's will, then that's it's just done. OK, well. Uh, the the book that I mentioned shows that we can be confident in prayer. I mean, Hebrews 10 tells us to approach the throne of grace with confidence um, boldly. Right. And that's, you know, so why, why is it that we pray? Well, we're, we're asking God to step in and impact mm-hmm. and make a change. Well, I mean, in the most basic of illustrations, right. I mean, my teenagers were working through Mark and this is the last uh, uh, week of our quarter here. And uh, we're looking at, the end of Mark. And in the garden of Gethsemane, what does Jesus pray about? He says, if there's any other way, father, let this happen. Mm -hmm. What's he asking for the father to change his mind? Whoa. Okay. Like, I want you to think about that. It's different than me saying, Hey, will you please let my wife come home safely? Or can we have this, uh, Jordan lady? Can she change her mind about what she thinks about you, father? That's way different than the son of God, who is at the same time, God and different than God asking a part of himself, will you change your mind? And so I think there's bigger, okay, I don't see how we miss the God can't change his mind through prayer. It's only with his will because mm-hmm. we focus on the back end of Jesus' statement, God, only your will be done. Yeah. I, want, I want what you want. But there's still the humanness side of us that's exactly like that was with Jesus saying, God, will you, will you change, change this situation somehow if there's any option? Yeah. Right. Let Jordan be a believer. Let me not go to the cross. Right. That's kind right. of the same principle, but on a, a deistic stage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that those are really, really good points. Right. I mean, we, we're we're at some points in our life, we're begging God. Right. To, to act in a way that results in some sort of change. And it doesn't violate the free will based on what God's answer is, right? Not anymore. So like, let's use a really trivial example, right? Uh, the three of us are all married, right? At one point in a, at one point in our lives, we all had to act in such a way that the, the woman's, the women, women's, the woman, women that we were attracted to, right? We had to act in such a way toward them 
that they wanted to make a change, right? And and like us back, be attracted to us back, make a commitment to us back, right? None of that violates the free will of our wives to make the decision to, to marry us or to spend their lives with us, right? We were just acting in a way that resulted in what we would consider positive change, right? Um, you know, our wives, maybe not so much, but, uh, you know, depending on maybe Brady's like Brady's the perfect one. Like we get that. But, um, so this idea, does prayer violate free will if God will intervene? And I think, and and so here's, here's my, here's what I, uh, here's what I, I, again, I don't want to put, words in our mouth, so to speak. But I I feel like that there is a misconception here in the sense that God intervening is similar, that, that she thinks that would be praying for a similar intervention that we would see from God in the Old Testament, right? Of like miraculous nature, um, that something would, would, you know, make a huge impact. I, I, I don't know how yeah. I'm exactly trying to say this, but I, I think have you the same thing on my stuff. I kind of get what I'm, what I'm coming from, right? God intervening in somebody's life is not the same. She's looking for, she thinks that by me praying about her, if it was going to be God's will, there would be like a Damascus road type interaction. Right. Um, and not so much just of a, of a, a tweaking, so to speak, uh, like a conversation that she has with somebody that made her, think for half a second uh and and god working in that sort of way i think she's expecting this idea of uh, you know praying for somebody to change means that god would come down and, and violate free will by kind of like you know the the old cartoon is striking you with a thunderbolt type deal and all of a sudden you're a different person yeah i think there's a big misconception maybe it's it's a big umbrella term to anyone who's not of a theological background, right? So even the tiniest faith Christian to the bigger faith Christian, we kind of understand that when God saves someone or you are your saved journey, right? That put it in those words for this specific example, uh, like it's a big umbrella of a lot of different factors. Like it's not just a, for somebody that's a non-Christian, if God saves them, it sounds like a one-to-one, right? God, will you save this person? God stretches his hands out and plucks them and puts them here, right? It's it's a one-to-one, literal, legitimate, straight-up thing. But to those that are of a, a Bible background, we understand that that's so much full of a lot of different things, and it's almost never God takes his direct hand and picks them up like a vending machine and plucks them out, right? Allow them to see something, talk to someone, think about more things that leads them to change their mind to come to the Father. It's not just a God, will you save them? To outsiders, it's a one-to-one claw vending machine. To biblically based, it's way bigger of an understanding than just that. Yeah, there's a... I think to especially someone who claims to be atheist and, and may not have, like we've been saying, may not have the understanding of Christian doctrine, may have never picked up a Bible. You know, it, it's one thing to know about something, and it's another mm-hmm. thing to know something, mm-hmm. right? So I want to be, again, as I said at the beginning, I want to be fair. But there is a Christian doctrine 
that most Christians profess. I would not go this far, I don't think, but most Christians would profess that God is so sovereign that when he put things in order, and because God, quote unquote, has a plan for your life, heaven forbid, right. we, we read Jeremiah 29, 11 in its context, but <laughs> we that God has such a plan for your life that there's nothing that you can do to change that. And because everything is fit together in such a puzzle piece kind of way for your life, then then the sovereignty of God can't be broken. And when you have that mentality, and I'm not saying atheists have that mentality. I'm saying mm-hmm. Christians. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. By the way, yeah. How, how dare you? How dare you talk bad about the we'll senior Sunday scripture? Right now. Man, how dare you talk bad about the senior Sunday scripture? The senior Sunday scripture. <laughs> when I graduated high school, I had a plaque with that given to me, and I had. I, I think threw I it away. Buried it. Yeah, I didn't throw it away, but I think I buried it in the closet. Oh, oh man. man! I'm sorry to whoever gave Every, me that plaque. It was I was saying, plaque. Somebody, somebody with a non-religious background has no idea what we're talking about. Man, Everybody in true. church knows exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, we can talk about that another time. But I, I, I really think too that she promotes an idea of deism. Uh, which is the idea that we're down here doing our thing and God is right. way up there, yeah. he's separated from from everything. Um, it's really hard to call on God to act whenever he, mm-hmm. whenever you have that separatist view. Uh, but we don't believe that, you know. Right. Especially those of us who are Christians who belong to the church, yeah. we believe that we have the Spirit in us. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the, I think that's kind of the crux of the issue when it comes to this particular video. And we talked a lot, we've we've talked a lot on this podcast about why it's so difficult to take like this minute and a half or this thirty second clip and and try to put it into whatever context it is. And I'm not, what I, what I think is is happening is again, she could be very well atheist, right? None of what she's talking about is her beliefs. But what she, I think, is trying to attempt here is she wants somebody to explain if this is your belief, how does it make any sense? Uh, and I think that's kind of what she's getting at, right? Because, again, if this, if it is your belief that God made me 100% the way that I am, if it is your belief that once God put creation in motion, he had a plan every single, as we view it like calendar day, right? That from now till the end of time, he knows what's going to happen. He's already decided what's going to happen. If those are your beliefs, how then does praying fit into that? And and how does that work? What's the point of anything? Right, exactly. If everything's set in motion, if he is... Truly right. omnipotent and omniscient. And I love how she used omnipotent as an atheist. Nobody generally talks about God's omnipotence unless they are defending him. Uh, but I love how she, like you talk about that whole string of stuff. Yeah. None of it matters <laughs> if right. God already knows the end credits. Yeah. Well, and so and and, and Joshua, and I think I've talked. To, yeah, no, I think Joshua and I've talked a little bit about this too because you're absolutely right, Joshua. Those that. When you start talking to people that believe that that God does not change his mind, that everything was set in, in place and that God's will is going to be done regardless of what happens, that you can take whatever kind of curves you want, the end result's always going to be the same. You never see that from anybody other than those inside a religious community. And partly because that makes sense, right? Like if you're an atheist, you don't believe any of that anyway. But it's generally always really dedicated uh, and albeit most of the time overly conservative Christians that that have that that mentality. Um, and so you let me say, say too, yeah, let me yeah. say too that um, just because I think we've all, we've, we've kind of beat around it. I don't think we've ever come out and actually said it yet, but just because mm-hmm. God can change his mind. Right. 
does not mean that his plan mm-hmm. ever changes. So I give you a key example. Uh, when when the children of Israel sin with the golden calf, uh, God wants to wipe them all out and make Moses his covenant people, right? Well, God's going to have his covenant people one way or another. Mm-hmm. But he had already made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses intercedes and reminds God of that. Uh, and I use the word remind loosely. Uh, I don't think God forgot. Yeah, I don't think God forgot. But God's going to have his his covenant people one way or another. Mm -hmm. And I think God always had it in mind to to send Jesus. You know, we read about that in the New Testament, that from the foundation of the earth, God had this plan. Um, Nothing was going to thwart that plan. But and, and we see nothing's going to change God's mind there, like what Brady was talking about with Jesus asking for another way. Um, there wasn't one, you know, right. the, the, the plan was there. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't approach God and ask certain things, which yeah. I want to I want to offer another question that kind of goes off of this and get y'all's response. This is kind of more ministerial based. OK, uh, because I, I wonder if she in the back of her mind I don't know that she comes out and actually says this. I had to go back and watch the video, but um, I'm, I'm forgetting pieces mm-hmm. of it now. So y'all tell me if she says this or not. I don't think she does. But she's she can't get past how someone would pray for her whenever God made her, in her mind, the way that she's supposed to be. Okay, So she's blending those two doctrines together, even though they're, right. not, they're not correct. But my question is, I wonder if she's wondering why would someone pray for mm-hmm. me? She, I think she kind of makes that comment toward the tail end of her video because I've, I've got it written down. She makes the comment that um, more along the lines of how arrogant do you have to be to pray to change the will of God? Right. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she makes a statement like that, because, again, if it's if it's God's will that she is the way that she is, like she's an atheist, she wants to be without religion. How arrogant are you to pray that God change his will for, you know, her life or, or for somebody else's? Because like, I, I have that written down as part of it, too. Right. Is it is it arrogant to, to pray for non-believers? Because that's kind of the that that's the. Uh, I, I guess the point that she makes, for lack of a better term, the point that she makes there is that. You know, isn't it isn't it really arrogant uh, that that you would pray on behalf of a non-believer to change the will of God? Right. What makes your will for me more important than what God's will for me is if if it was God's will that I am created the way that I am and I ended up the way that I am. Um, so I think that's probably the closest that she gets to, to what you're asking there, Joshua. But I don't know that she ever she ever comes out and, and you know, cares really one way or the other other than to to make again, her point as to why she believes, in my opinion, why she believes prayer is, is useless. Um, cause again, if she is an atheist, which she claims to be right, she claims to be an atheist, then, then she doesn't believe in, in the power of prayer more than she probably believes that, you know, th- the sky is, you know, lime green, um, you know, so to speak. Uh, and, and so, like I said, I think that's the closest she comes to touching on on that particular question. Um, kind of, I, I, I kind of giggled at that at that last phrase she made, and not in a it's funny, in right. a kind of a sad way. Giggle, yeah. Um, 
are we are our Christians arrogant enough to think that they know better than God? Mm-hmm. If you notice listening, I think the video was like a minute and a half, right? <clears throat> right. And uh, oh, if you if you noticed, yeah, if you noticed throughout most of the video, she kept making the differentiation between this is what Christians say they believe. This is what mm-hmm. Christians believe, right? This is I'm speaking for them. At the end, she kind of takes a pause, probably about a minute, 10, minute, 15. And then she says that last phrase. Um, Don't you know how arrogant that is to think mm-hmm. that you know better than God? It's almost like you make it more personal. Right. Instead of talking about it in a detached way, right? Now, I don't want to read into or assume that she thinks this or thinks that, but we know from uh, uh, several conversations, discussions, debates, all that kind of stuff, most of your atheists either once were Mm -hmm. great standing members of some kind of faith, some kind of spirituality, or somebody that is running from some kind of great faith, big problem spirituality, right? And so it just begs me the question on how, because if you notice her tone of voice changes, I'm, I try and pick up on body language. That's the counsel, <laughs> That's the counselor and advice giver oh, yeah. and guidance guy, right? You pick up on body language and, and verbal inflection and all that kind of stuff. And so if you notice, I mean, listen, it, her body language changes. She crooks her neck and her head a different way. And yeah. she has more of a locked in stare and yeah. her eyebrows furrowed, right? It, it just looks more personal to me. Yeah. And so no, I wonder, right. I wonder, are, are Christians so arrogant to think that they know better yeah. than God? Well, okay. So, so I, I don't things, know. That's yeah. something there. Well, okay. So, and I, I completely agree with you. Two things. One, yes, there are Christians that are arrogant enough to believe they know Absolutely. Than God. Uh, like, let's get that one out the way. Yes, Absolutely. there are some out there, not all. Two, um, again, not to speak for her or anything that she's been through in her life, but I, I agree with you, Brady. I would be, I, I would not be in any way, form or fashion, shocked uh, remotely if if you look into her life and and she had had overly negative experiences with quote unquote Christians or religion in general. Um, I, I completely agree with you there. And so, you, again, that kind of all wraps up in this this last little talking point. That we got here is is it really arrogant to pray for non-believers? Um, and, and the bottom line is is because the claim is is that to pray for non-believers is to pray for the change of God's will. When in actuality, again, that misconception, a bit of a straw man, right? But in actuality, the will of God is for Christians to pray for non-believers, right? Multiple times, Paul writes to churches in the first century and, and talks about how that. You know, they are to pray for the salvation of the lost, that they do come to know uh, and to love the truth. And so, uh, again, from a Christian standpoint, no. Um, again, a lot of this is the arguments he's making is based off of misconception. But from a Christian standpoint, the will of God is for you to pray for nonbelievers. Um, that is God's will. It's not a violation of it at all. Yeah, I, I think that we need to understand what the will of God actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the best definition that I've found for the will of God is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse two, that which is good, acceptable and perfect. Mm-hmm. If it ain't good. It ain't acceptable. And it ain't perfect. It ain't the will of God. And and I don't know of anywhere in scripture, you all can correct me. <laughs> I don't know anywhere of script in scripture where we see an actual will of God on the life of someone other than Jesus. 
Yeah. Uh, we see people called to a particular purpose. Sometimes they run from it. Sometimes they accept it. Right. But, you know, I, this talk about <laughs> God has a will for my life. The only will that I know of that God has for your life is that you will become a child of his and do that, which is good, acceptable and perfect. Yeah. Now that's, that's all I see uh, in, in scripture and you guys may disagree, but I want to, I want to also say, cause uh, I don't know about you, Nathan, I'm sure that you do, but the, when we do these podcasts, I, I address it as if the person we're making the video about will see this. And we've had yeah. that happen a yeah. few times. Uh, yeah. And that's that's exciting when that happens because that engages a conversation. Really, is. but I want to answer her what I assume to be her deeper question, which is why do Christians pray for her? Right. Like, yeah. Want to answer that first? We love you. You know that you may have never heard that before from a Christian, especially if you've had a negative. I was about to say, probably seen the exact opposite. Now, right. Honestly. Right. We love you, <clears throat> and we that's why we pray for you because we love you. Uh, and we we also pray because we believe God can act, and we we hope that God will will act in your life. And maybe maybe this podcast is God acting in her life or in the life of someone else. You know, um, talk about arrogance. I don't want to be so arrogant to think that everything we do is you know so so grand that that it takes away the glory from God. But right. who knows? This podcast may be a way for her to. Come to a knowledge of truth, maybe, uh, and, and we we pray because God can act. So uh, that's I, I want her to know, and I want people listening to know that we love y'all, and mm-hmm. we're praying for you, and we we do that because we believe in its power. Yeah. And uh, I'll quit preaching. No, it's, I hey, look <laughs> absolutely, um, and man, that's I got to be honest. One one of the most encouraging things about being a Christian is is the the idea that that there is this global community. And and to be completely honest, one of the most discouraging things about being a Christian is the fact that so many Christians and their what I'm going to call overzealousness to prove their Christianity have have damaged uh, an immense number of lives. Um, and I don't mean, again, I'm not saying that to talk bad on Christianity or, or down on religion whatsoever, but the fact of the matter is, is just like any other group of people, there are good ones and bad ones. Yep. Um, and it's like and the... the way that we hope, we hope and pray uh, that we're uh, we're some of the good ones and that we're we're doing our best every single day to, to show the love and mercy and grace of God. And um, But to... to to play that balance card that we love to talk about so much as ministers, right? Not everything that we do is, is so grand uh, that we take away the glory from God, but not everything that we do is so insignificant that it doesn't matter. Um, you know, we, we want to be sure that we epitomize the love and grace and mercy of God, but that love and grace and mercy comes with the expectation of obedience as well. And, and again, now, you, Josh, when you get in a room of ministers and you start preaching, everybody's got to go around a circle, and it's just a big, why, why man? Why you got to be that way? Uh, but anyway, so, no, you're right. Uh, you know, the, the will of God is, is uh, you know, and, well, I'm not going to open up that can of worms, right? Because then you get to try it. Like, who gets to, def- I say who gets to, right? Because everybody podcast. wants. To, well, it is, right? Everybody wants to debate about what is good, right? I think it's good for me to make my own decisions and not, but anyway. Brady, what else you got? <laughs> Man, my I'll make my last statement a, a very wise phrase. You guys know this this statement really, really well. And you probably even know the guy that said it. As ministers and as people and from the world in general, the best thing about the church 
is the people. But what's the worst thing about the church? It's the people. There you go. The wise words from the unwise one, as as he has aptly decided to name himself <laughs> on this one. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much uh, for being on this afternoon. I greatly appreciate it. If you found this helpful, let us know. If you have a video that you want us to address, let us know. We are always available. Uh, I say we're always available. If you have, if you can find us on social media, our home numbers or uh, phone like home, phone numbers or home addresses, right? We're we're always available. I'm not going to give all that stuff. Don't worry, Brady. I'm not going to give out all that stuff online. Uh, but there are people that watch I live at the church building, yeah. so. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> I was here at 545 this morning. I feel yeah. it. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you're still there, man. Still there. Well, anyway, uh, thank you so much for tuning in, uh, guys. We appreciate it. If you have videos that you want us to address, be sure to let us know. Uh, again, if you're ever in West or Middle Tennessee, you can come hang out with me or Joshua or uh, Brady. Brady's over in West Tennessee as well. So guys, until next time, thank you so much.